The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where if you were ever wondering what the NBA would look like as a supreme junkie on withdrawal who just stumbled upon a warehouse full of coke after seven months of not snorting anything, well, this is what it looks like. Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, Rob Covington, Harden, Horford, Rubio, many other people, just don't forget it all started with the Dennis Domino. So, Tommy, what is it about Dennis Schroeder that really got everyone spooked out that the league had to just go on this crazy transactional frenzy all of a sudden to just uh, match up with the Lakers? Well, you know, Jonathan, when you are the top of the league, there's going to be a lot of followers. And I think everybody overreacted to us making a trade and made inferior trades. I mean... Chris Paul, is he, who even is that? You know, like, have you heard of this guy before this trade? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, we got Dennis Schroeder. Vaguely. Everybody knows he was the top six man of the year candidate. Chris Paul just sounds like two first names, never heard of him. <laughs> and also, I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but Dennis Schroeder's got that really cool blonde highlight going on in his hair. So that may have thrown people off too. How? I don't know. But... Welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. We have just finished the NBA draft, and four and a half hours later, the Lakers uh, were not able to buy a second-round pick, even though I was almost sure they were going to. But given how tough it was last year to get a second-rounder in Taylor Horton Tucker, I think Rob Palenka paid $3 million just to get the 46th pick from the Orlando Magic, and we had to give them this year's second-round pick as well. Uh, chances were looking slim, and the Lakers have come away from the NBA draft with no picks, but it's likely that they will sign two or three guys to training camp, which starts in two and a half weeks or so, um, as undrafted free agent guys. And we'll get into the guys that are still available, and we're monitoring this as we speak, uh, just so that I can look like Nostradamus. I'll list out some names that are uh, potential signees that the Lakers could look at. 
Uh, we've got Killian Tilly out of Gonzaga, 6'10", kind of like a poor man's Danilo Gallinari or a poor man's Nikola Vucevic who can shoot from the outside. He's just terribly injury prone. We've got Devon Dotson out of Kansas. He's 6'2", but one of the fastest guards in college basketball. He would be a very fun, change of pace, speedy guard for us. Um, there's Mason Jones, who a lot of people like, who gets to the foul line a lot, continually drives it in the paint. We've got Marcus Howard, who, I mean, his stats in college were ridiculous. He's one of the best three-point shooters in college. His only problem is he's 5'11", but we've seen guys like Isaiah Thomas before who are barely six feet, you know, be able to overcome that. We'll see if Marcus Howard will be able to. And then we've got Tyshawn Alexander and then also Yoli Childs, who the Lakers have been connected to because I believe they also interviewed him and worked him out. So we'll see if they sign any of these guys. Tommy, you'll let us know on Twitter if they do throughout the show. But given that we... We've come away from this draft with no tangible draft pick. We're going to mainly focus on the Dennis Schroeder acquisition and then look ahead to free agency because it's happening in less than 48 hours. So with that said, your quick thoughts on the NBA's first virtual draft. You know, I was just speaking to you prior to hitting record, and I think this may finally be the year, Tommy, where I have to say I think I'm too old for this. (laughs) I think I'm too old for the draft at this point. I mean... Uh, it was cool to see the players in their natural environments at home with their families, but just the way it's covered these days and, you know, Twitter being two or three picks ahead of everything and the way that they draw out the first round for three hours, I guess at this point we should come to expect this, but the added factor of, you know, the Lakers not having a tangible pick uh, and I guess most of the action sort of happening, you know, prior to the actual draft, maybe that lent itself to just me being... I guess at the end of the day, my my brain is mush. I don't know what to think. It really feels like an odyssey at this point. But, I mean, still fun overall. But what were your thoughts coming out of this draft? Um, I thought it was fine. I mean, honestly, I think it's like this every year. I think it's just in more recent years, maybe not last year, but the years prior, we had top picks. And last year, although we didn't have a top pick, our pick was involved in other stuff that was going on. And, you know, there was the whole Zion thing. So... This draft was just boring in the sense that the top picks were, I mean, there wasn't a consensus number one, like there typically is in stronger drafts. The top three, I think, was considered, you know, generally weak in terms of high bust potential. Um, But, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just used to it because I like, I I like watching the drafts. I mean, I I watch the NFL Mm -hmm. draft too. I'm an NFL fan and I've watched the NFL draft and that's a lot worse than this actually, in my opinion. It's like two days, right? I mean, you know, it's (laughs) multiple days, dude. And it, it, well, the the first day is just the first round, right? But it's much more brutal in between picks. And so I guess Mm. all this is a long way of saying I'm very used to the way ESPN presents this stuff. And it's really like a them problem, right? Like, I mean, this could be a much more fan-friendly event, but it's just for commercials at this point. I mean, there were yeah. stretches in the first round, especially early to mid-first round, where Twitter was three picks ahead, right? Because the pick would come in. I mean, I was like jabbering, or I sorry, not jabbering. That's my stupid. Uh, I'm too used to talking about my office uh, chat software, but I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, chatting with you before or during the draft, and and saying like it's absurd. Like ESPN is showing in the bottom left hand of the screen, it says the pick is in, and then on the top you know, middle of the screen, it says, you know, on the clock, the team that it says the pick is in for, you know? So it's like these picks, Mm -hmm. they they had pre-scheduled, if anyone looked at their TV guide, 
they pre-scheduled from 5 to 8 p.m. the first round of the NBA draft. That's 30 picks in, you know, in 180 minutes. That's insane. Even with five picks, or sorry, five minutes per pick, you're going over that pace even, which is absurd, yeah. you know? So I understand in the beginning you want to build some suspense. You want to interview some of these guys. You know, you want to get teams or get fans up to speed on who some of the top prospects are. But they really, really milk it. And it's, like, so obnoxious. This is not a seven-round draft like the NFL. It's two rounds. It's 60 picks. A lot of these guys, most NBA fans, or I guess I should say most college basketball fans, uh, know a lot of the guys who go in the in the uh, top 60 in the draft. So why are we doing this situation where we're spending three hours going over the first th- 30 picks and then the second round is just like picks passing and like you're seeing in like the ticker at the bottom over commercials who's getting picked. It's like so absurd. But so I guess like all that stuff I kind of put aside. To be honest, I wasn't even paying attention to half the coverage. I was just following along on Twitter, following the trades. Same. All that stuff is exciting. You know, I was watching some of the stories one occasion. Maybe there were like four or five compelling stories that came up on ESPN that was kind of nice you know, to have that uh, perspective because I wouldn't have otherwise not known that stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 I guess for me, the draft is what it is. So this is kind of what I was expecting. And, and so I was entertained by it. Yeah, you know, now, now that I'm taking a step back, I guess in normal occasions, you wouldn't also get those like mini biopics because they just show footage from, you know, Madison Square Garden live. Right. So I guess in that sense, it's a little bit more en- entertaining than usual. Um I guess quickly before we pivot off of the draft, were there any interesting trades or storylines that kind of shook you? I mean, obviously, Maury Ball was in full effect, uh, him wheeling and dealing. He made Sam Hinkie probably very envious of all the moves he was making. (laughs) I mean, he essentially, like, has restructured the Sixers so that he has a blank canvas, essentially. And all he has are a bunch of shooters. He got rid of the Josh Richardson, Al Horford moves and surrounded Embiid and Simmons, and who knows whether or not he's keeping Embiid or Simmons, but right now he's surrounded them with with a much more intuitive roster of shooters with Seth Curry, Danny Green, I guess a flyer on Terrence Ferguson. I forget who their picks were. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, I think. So he's got shooters around those guys, and then obviously the other big trade pertaining to the Lakers and a team in their own division was the uh, Luke Kennard trade to the Clippers, which I thought was a really good move on the Clippers end. Should you know Luke Kennard stay healthy, um, they're going to have to pay him soon, but still, it's a worthwhile gamble for them. Um, yeah, anything that stood out to you? There were so many trades, I, and this is another thing we were chatting about right before uh, we pushed record. But there are so many trades, I like have a hard time thinking about who ended up where. Um, I guess one, I guess the one trade that kind of stood out to me, um, and this is related to Daryl Morey kind of clear, uh, cleaning house, but the Josh Richardson trade, I thought was pretty mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, Josh Richardson's a pretty good player. I just think he's a horrendous fit on that team, right? And this follows what Morey did earlier in the day, getting rid of um, Al Horford. So, He's kind of clearing house and adding perimeter shooting. And I think you made the comment, which was kind of amusing, which is that uh, it now, like, they only have, they, they, ironically, they might need some more big men now or, like, some more size because yeah. they have, like, too much small perimeter shooting. But, you know, he's trying to clean house. He's trying to make this team work with 
Embiid and Simmons. And I think he did a great job. I mean, Seth Curry is not a slouch. You know, Josh Richardson, they had under contract for one year, and Seth Curry obviously can light it up. Um, And they got got a pick out of that, too, I believe. I can't remember now. But anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it... that was one that kind of stood out, um, but I'm sure there are tons of other ones that I'm forgetting. Rubio back to the Wolves. Yeah, dude, the Wolves. <laughs> Wait, whatever Minnesota did was kind of crazy. I what, don't know. They have a bunch of dude, playmakers. That's what I'm like, but I, I need know. to see where all these players ended up because I'm pretty sure the Pelicans have like four point guards now. <laughs> like, they already had Lonzo. And I'm talking about post Drew trade, right? Because they already had Lonzo. They used a lottery pick. Unless they traded it, they used a lottery pick on a point guard. So another point guard, and then they acquired George Hill and Bledsoe in the uh, yes. in the Drew Holiday trade. So I am like, obviously, not all four of those guys are going to stay, but it makes you wonder, like, who are they looking to get rid of? Especially, you assume Lonzo they'd want to keep, but I, I don't know. He's up for a contract extension soon, right. and they just use another lottery pick on another point guard. So are they going to try to trade Lonzo? I don't know. So I'm trying to get in on that because <laughs> I want my boy uh, Zoe back in town. <laughs> you know, I think. It's it's hard to even still evaluate this draft just because it's coming, you know, amid such a weird and wonky transactional window where I heard that you can immediately trade these guys by December 2nd so that they can join training camp for another team. So we this might not be the end of trades and trading these picks, you know? So, I mean, the Dennis Schroeder trade hasn't even been officially announced yet, for one thing. Um, but that we could still see moves happen. And I guess the last thing I'll say is if the Lakers had kept their number 28th pick, man, there were still some really good guys still on the board there yeah. that, that even if we hadn't gotten showed out, I think Lakers draft Nick Twitter would have been losing their minds. Cause you know, Desmond Bain was still there. Tyrell Terry was still there. Um, Isaiah Joe, Elijah Hughes, Xavier Tillman. There was just like a lot I mean, of who good was the guys dude who still was taken in that at twenty-eight. That guy has super high upside from playing. Jaden McDaniels, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the yeah. Poor, poor man's poor man's Brandon Ingram. <laughs> yeah. So um, if we if we hadn't been able to swing that Dennis Schroeder trade, I mean, I think that though any of those guys would have been nice consolation prizes. Uh, but with that said, we'll move off the draft because uh, the number twenty-eighth pick is going to Oklahoma City and then going to Minnesota, actually. The Wolves are getting Jaden McDaniels. Um, but before we talk about Dennis Schroeder and take a quick look ahead to free agency, wanted to just remind you guys to please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod and to also please rate and review us five stars on iTunes, especially during this crazy time. We're looking to pump out as much content as we can in the nick of time for you guys. So if you appreciate the grind, please rate and review us five stars on iTunes. All right, Tommy, with that said, I've given my thoughts on Dennis Schroeder. I have... Also watched more tape on him, and he's a fun, flashy player who's got a lot of pizzazz to his game. Um, He did play with Dwight Howard, actually, in Atlanta, so it'll be interesting to see whether or not those two can link up again. Uh, Before I say anything, though, I just want to bring up that, you know, Danny Green had a terrible playoffs for us, but he was playing injured, and we are actually losing something um, in his stead. We lose a 6'5 guy and a reliable defender, especially a team defender. And taking a step back, it is it is a little bit... I mean, it, it's something we're going to have to address in free agency. And I don't want to take it lightly that Danny Green is just gone because you could have easily seen a 
positive regression coming for Danny Green if he was just healthier, you know, like next season. Um, granted, next season is happening much sooner than we had expected, and Danny Green is banged up, so maybe that's a moot point, and maybe this, you know, adds pros to getting in a younger guy like Dennis Schroeder, who, you know, last year shot better than Danny Green from three-point land in both makes and percentage-wise. Uh, granted, he is coming to the Lakers, and there is that three-point curse, so we'll see how long that holds up. But given everything swirling around with, you know, us being unsure of the Rondo situation, the Avery Bradley situation, this sort of made sense for the Lakers on multiple ends. Um, And I think given who they're targeting in free agency, they may have a pretty good contingency plan for Danny Green. Um, So, yeah, what are your thoughts, first of all, on uh, Dennis Schroeder, 27-year-old Dennis Schroeder? Um, I am super excited about Dennis Schroeder. Obviously, we're getting a guy who's arguably the best two-way. Well, I guess that's the maybe a poor way of phrasing it because I guess he's not known for being a bad defensive player. But in my mind... He got better this past season. I mean, he's not a bad... To be clear, he's not a bad defensive player. But I guess what I was trying to say was he is, in my opinion, probably the best... Um, overall bench player last year like Lou Williams yes a little bit you know obviously fantastic perennial six man of the year candidate but is flawed um obviously Montrez everybody saw his weaknesses in the playoffs last year so Schroeder is just like I mean he can score with I mean this dude is scoring I mean his scoring was not like a joke right he was playing with two other point guards who also want uh wanted the ball in their hands and who also were capable of scoring and he was put, I mean, he averaged 19 points a game last year off the bench. He mm-hmm. played fantastic in the playoffs. He had multiple, in just the seven-game series, multiple 30-plus point games. He was, um, or maybe 25, but, you know, high-scoring games off the bench in the playoffs. Uh, one of the big reasons OKC was able to make such a good run this year his playmaking, I mean, if you just look at the stats from last year, sure, it's like, okay, okay, great, he averaged four assists a game. Uh, when he was with the Hawks, he averaged over six assists a game. You know, you've got to pay attention to the context a little bit with that. He was playing with so many yeah. point guards with OKC. Um, he is young. He adds such a different dynamic. I mean, I think what you what you said can't be understated. There was a lot of hate on Danny Green um, because of his performance in the playoffs, but Danny Green played an integral role, role for us uh, during the season. He was a very solid defender, very solid team defender, could defend some bigger wings. Okay, yes, he's lost a step on defense. He's lo- clearly lost a step laterally. When he was banged up, he wasn't able to hit shots the same way he used to. You know, I have no doubts that on a team... Like, I think he's on Philly now after all, after all these <laughs> trades. But, you know, I have no doubts that on a team like Philly, he's going to, you know, get a shot back and be fine hitting those corner threes off of Simmons and Embiid. Um, you know, but uh, that all that being said, I think we had guys, and especially with the emergence of KCP, showing that he can do, he could play defense on the perimeter um, and guard quicker small guards and still hit threes at a pretty, you know, high clip. It just like, you know, the fact that we knew we wanted to keep him and we were already paying Danny Green $15 million, it just, it became, you started scratching your head about how we were going to fill this obvious hole we had last year, right? Where kind of like playoff Rondo filled the gap for us, um, you know, uh, with his playmaking in the playoffs, but we needed a, another ball handling guard who could take some pressure off LeBron 
and ideally who could score. I mean, frankly, I wasn't even thinking we were going to get somebody who could do all of this stuff, right? I was like, if we can get somebody who could just shoot, that'd be great. If we can get somebody who could just facilitate, that'd be great. We already have Caruso who could play defense, so, like, we're fine there, right? But we ended up getting a guy who is 27, who's still getting better, who plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's got kind of a, you know, mean streak to him, and... He can play like he showed he could play in high pressure games. Um, He showed he can score when he needs to score. He's a much, much, much improved jump shooter. I mean, even if he doesn't shoot as well as he did last year, mid 30s would be I mean, he shot 39 percent or something from three on pretty good volume last year. And not all of those, by the way, were off the dribble, which he'll get plenty of those opportunities, but he was actually a 40 over 40 percent catch and shoot three point shooter last year, too. So he, you know, fills so many holes for us. And even if he regresses a little bit shooting wise and comes down to mid thirties, that would still be a massive upgrade for us. Right. So I just feel like we didn't lose as much as we gained from this trade. Did we create a bit of a gap with Danny leaving? Sure. But I think there are some, you know, Kuzma obviously emerged last year as a solid defender. Um, Hopefully we'll continue to get better. He's obviously a young player. Uh, we, there are some free agents who, you know, maybe we'll talk about, maybe we won't. I mean, it's just going to be in a few days when we're going to find out which one of these guys we get, but, but, you know, there are some cheaper free agents who can kind of fill that Danny Green void. Um, I, I just think I can't say enough good things about this trade. I think it's so easy for a team who won a championship to just roll it back because you can never criticize that. Right. It's like, well, we want it once. Like we have to roll it back, but for Rob to stay aggressive in the midst of a pandemic in the midst of this like shortened off season and the midst of all of this like craziness and chaos happening and to just make an aggressive move and be like, look, Everybody, I mean, Laker fans from every, any, even casual fans were like, there's no way we can keep this pick, right? And then when you start going into the details of it and looking at the hard cap and because we're planning to use the MLE and all, you know, all these other details, it's like, oh, uh, we really actually can't use the pick. So to use a player who was, I don't want to say a non-factor, but was a significantly diminished factor for us in the finals and in the playoffs and finals last year. And a pick that we probably weren't going to use. And to trade that for, like, the best bench player in the NBA last year, who, like, yeah. happens to play the position of, like, the greatest need and the role of greatest need for us, is just, you can't say enough good things. Yeah, well, I was going to say to you, like, wouldn't the Clippers want Dennis Schroeder? Like, couldn't we get Luke Kennard if we just gave him Dennis Schroeder? I'm sure we could, but... Right. It's crazy to me because before this trade happened, you remember the way that I was talking about the 28th pick. I was essentially talking about this asset as a way to just salary dump JaVale McGee. Right. You know? Instead, we actually got a legit player. And I guess maybe I downplayed Danny Green's value to the point where I didn't think anybody would actually want him. But, you know, taking a step back now, I'm like, oh, yeah, it would make sense that on an expiring deal, any contending team would want a guy like Danny Green on their team. It's just crazy that Palinka was able to just hone in on the exact position that we've been weak at this entire time before playoff Rondo stepped up and got a young guy who, with our 2021 plan seemingly in the tank, you can just re-sign and, you, and make an asset. Not to look at these guys solely as assets, you know, but I see a vision here from Palinko where he's replenishing our asset cupboard, you know, because you look at THT, Alex Caruso, Cal Kuzma, if we can re-sign him to like a reasonable deal, Dennis Schroeder, um, 
we have our pick in 2021 as long as it doesn't fall in the top eight. I mean, we're well positioned and then not and then including, you know, KCP, if we can resign him to a reasonable deal, which most people think we are going to. You, you put those things together and we could easily, maybe not easily, but we're primed to swing a deal for, you know, maybe a fringe all-star that could be that third guy for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And even if we don't, we've just made our supporting cast a lot better and a lot less one-dimensional than it was last year, you know? Because last year we were essentially a 3 and D sort of supporting cast that couldn't really shoot threes very well. You know, that was very inconsistent on the three-point end. And granted, we're still sort of inconsistent. We'll have to see what they do on the free agency market to continue to shore up their shooting because we did lose shooting in this, even in spite of the fact that Dennis Schroeder was, you know, shot better than Danny Green in the regular season. Which is pretty crazy. But... Which is crazy. But I guess a few other things that I want to say about Dennis Schroeder is, I know people were looking at last year uh, as his like benchmark season and how he had this outlier season, you know, averaging 19 points, four assists, 3.6 rebounds. And I guess off the bench, that is really, really impressive. But, you know, looking at his history, he's averaged more points than this and more assists than this in the regular season. If you look at his 2017-18 season with the Hawks, he averaged 19 points and six assists. Um, if you look at 2016-17 uh, season with the Hawks, he averaged 18 points, six assists. And then his postseason with the Hawks that year, this is these stats are stupid. He averaged 24.7 points, 7.7 assists, 83.8% from the free throw line, oh, yeah. and 42.5% from three, hitting 2.8 a game. Granted, that's in a small sample size, only six games, but it just shows you the ceiling and heights that Dennis Schroeder can reach, and this dude is only 27. And I kid you not, I was, as, I was, as I was watching more tape on this guy, I did not realize, and by the way, the, the trade just became official on Twitter, um, the Los Angeles Lakers Twitter account just uh, tweeted out the official welcome to Los Angeles, Dennis Schroeder. Um, <laughs> but this guy is shifty AF, dude. He knows how to manipulate the defense. If you think Rondo's a great penetrator and all that, so is Dennis Schroeder. But I think more oftentimes than not, as opposed to Rondo, he'll make the more intuitive pass to the open guys. And then even more so than Rondo, obviously, he's a lot more crafty and able to finish at the rim than Rondo is at this point. Um, so whatever you saw from Rondo during that last game in the finals, that's, that's Dennis Schroeder more consistently <laughs> throughout, you know, 82 games in a season. So, and as you mentioned, better, he's gotten better shooting wise from like the mid range, especially from three point range. But most of all, I mean, this guy's a fun player who's going to add a dynamic to our bench that, especially in the regular season, we haven't had in a while. Um, I mentioned to you when we first traded for him, and these are unwarranted vibes, but I did get Ramon Sessions vibes just because of <laughs> just because they play the same position and all you know we're getting all hyped, and then we remember what happened to Ramon Sessions after that season and how he didn't come back. And overall, he was okay. He averaged like twelve points and six assists for us, but he wasn't everything that we wanted in a guy. Um, and I think I'm only getting those vibes again because they play the same position. They're not great three-point shooters. They, they're regarded as these dudes who come off the bench and just give your team some added life and energy. But if you really take a step back on what Dennis Schroeder has done up until this point, um, it's, it's crazy the stats he's been able to put up and how he continues to seemingly get better. Um, and around 
guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, him being like that guy who lobs it up into the air. I, I don't know. I'm just really excited. And this is not even to say that we're not 100% letting Rondo go, but it's just a smart tactic and move by Rob Palenka, if you can even call it that, to just have some leverage in negotiations with Rondo, right? Because I do see a scenario, even though right now I'm probably more 70, 30 Rondo's gone, I still do see a scenario where we bring Rondo back, just as insurance, especially for the playoffs. But even in the regular season, I see visions in my head of Rondo and Dennis Schroeder running amok in the backcourt with like LeBron James and all of a sudden, like this area that we sorely lacked in the regular season and especially, and even at times in the playoffs, all of a sudden we're abundant in with like multiple playmakers swinging the ball and manipulating the defense and bending it every which way, right? Causing havoc in transition even more so than they did last year. Like I can totally envision that with Rondo, Schroeder, LeBron, these playmakers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if we want Rondo back, you know, at a reasonable deal, this is like a good first move by Rob Palenka, I think, to make it seem like we're not as desperate for his services, right? So uh, anything else you want to add on Schroeder and this deal? It's an, another nice hidden benefit of this deal that I keep forgetting until you started talking about the shooting a little bit is um, we now have a perimeter player who can hit free throws and Schroeder, like for a bench player, gets to the line at actually a decent clip. Yeah. Um, those numbers are going to become like much, much more enhanced playing next to AD and LeBron, right? I mean, this dude's going to be coming into the game when, like, we're already going to be in the penalty or, like, close to it. So his shifty moves and, like, all those, like, fouls he takes on the perimeter are going to be are, – are going to make his life a lot easier. I mean, the reason – I like, do I think he's going to score 19 points a game here? Probably not, right? But he – we all we need is a guy who can – rely and this is so sad but all we need is a guy who can like just consistently reliably hit like 14 15 points and when you have a guy coming off the bench who's going to score four points a game five points a game and you know some games just by hitting free throws like that's a pretty good start right that that's like a big problem we had is when we went to the bench we didn't really have that many guys who could attack that's part of the reason why rondo looks so good with us um we had such a huge gap with playmaking. I'm not going to say anybody would have looked as good as Rondo. Rondo is obviously like one of the best playmakers in the entire NBA, but you know, it, it, it like was so much more pronounced because it was such an obvious gap for us. And, and I think Schroeder, um, uh, Schroeder will kind of slot right in, into that, uh, similar role, but with an added scoring dynamic, um, just fantastic trade. Again, it's nice to have a guy other than LeBron and AD, and you can argue even more so than LeBron, that at the fourth quarter end of game situation when there's a foul, we can throw the ball to somebody other than AD now. <laughs> it's like AD yeah. became our go-to for those situations, and it's crazy that we won a championship and we were able to you know, get through being like the worst free-throw shooting team in the NBA, but um, with all the close games that come at the end. But you know, Schroeder shores that up quite a bit. I'm super, super excited for that move. Yeah, and you know, just from like a speed aspect, I don't remember having a guard. What What's the last guard that we had that's probably as quick and as shifty as Dennis Schroeder? Like Jordan Farmer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I, I guess the one downside to Schroeder is obviously he's only 6'1". But the one upside is you've seen from these guys who have given us trouble in the past, if they're actually good, if they actually have handles, they can use that size to their advantage, you know, being able to just, you know... M- 
hide into the trees and be super slithery. That's kind of Dennis Schroeder. You know, guys like Aaron Brooks have given us trouble in the past. Like these super small guards with with really great handles and who are super fast. That's Dennis Schroeder to a T, whether he's passing the ball or whether he's taking the shot for himself. Like just a just a perfect compliment to this team. Maybe Isaiah Thomas for that couple of weeks he was with the Lakers, but at that point he was all banged up and he wasn't even the same. But yeah, super excited about Dennis Schroeder and what he's going to add to our bench. And, you know, you can only hope that he makes Kyle Kuzma better in the process as well. I'm sure Kyle Kuzma will love playing with him, just a more intuitive passer and a guy who will give him the ball in transition, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about Dennis Schroeder. We'll take it to break. And when we return, we'll just quickly look ahead to free agency and what what we're sort of feeling right now in terms of what we think the Lakers are going to do and uh, what direction it seems like things are headed. So we'll take it to break first. And when we return, we'll tee you guys up for free agency. All right, so we're back. And the NBA free agency period is just less than 48 hours away. How are you feeling at this point, Tommy? I know we were there's a lot going on. We're waiting on several decisions to JaVale McGee to opt in or opt out of his player option. Same with Avery Bradley. Is he going to opt in to his $5 million? It sounds like he wants to opt out and hopefully re-sign a new deal with the Lakers if it means more years with them. And to be clear, the Lakers, can act- yeah. <laughs> the Lakers can actually sign him to a slightly lower deal than he currently has right now. It just has to be more- for more years. So Maybe Avery Bradley opts out of his $5 million right now and then re-signs with the Lakers for like $3 million or $4 million for the next three years. I don't know if that's going to happen. But I guess contingent to all of this is the Lakers' plans to maybe use the full MLE. We've been talking about the full MLE since the start of November, the 9.3 MLE. But that's contingent upon Avery Bradley either opting out, us not giving KCP the raise he thinks he deserves at around like 12 to $14 million, or JaVale McGee to opt out. And now we're hearing that JaVale McGee may actually opt out of his deal. If he does that, that would be huge for the Lakers, you know, gaining the opportunity to actually use the $9.3 million MLE. I know there's Serge Ibaka rumors going on. It sounds like Danilo Gallinari is either going to get signed and traded somewhere else or just go to the Miami Heat or another team of that sort. Uh, Maybe the Portland Trailblazers. Who knows? Uh, But at this point, what is your gut telling you about what the Lakers are going to do? Do you think they're out there? They're going to go out there and go like big fish hunting? Are they going to try and get that $9.3 million MLE? on a big-name player like Ibaka? Are they going to split that up to try and retain, like, a Markeith Morris? Yeah, what are your thoughts on free agency in general right now? I think we're going to go for a big prize uh, with the 9.3. And the reason I think that is, I I think the evidence kind of suggests it, right? Like, we could have easily... We talked about this a little bit earlier, but we could have easily just run it back. Um, we could have easily given Rondo, you know, the money he wanted. We would have thought it was all an overpay, but hey, it's not our money, right? With, with uh, we're not genie bus, we're not paying the tax. Um, we could have, uh, we could have. There was no need to move Danny Green in the scenario if we were going to bring back Rondo. You know, I, I guess like what the Rondo or sorry Dennis Schroeder move kind of suggests to me is that they thought that the offer that Rondo is going to get is going to be too much for them. And when you're already a cap-paying team, 
the only reason, or sorry, it's a luxury tax paying team. The only reason somebody might be quote unquote too much for you is because you're expecting to be hard capped and you're dealing with these like situations that we've mm -hmm. kind of been running through and you've been running through on Twitter where $1 million is going to make a difference, right? Like you're getting down to that yeah. level of like, you need to stay under that hard cap with there's no exceptions. And so I think based on all of their behavior, you know, they didn't just run it back. They, you know, if they ran it back and they said, oh, we're going to keep Rondo. We're going to keep everybody. We're going to give everybody raises. Like then they could just use the regular MLE and they'd be fine, right? Or the lower, I forget what it's called because the names are counterintuitive to me. But, but uh, you know, the, the, the 5.3, 5.7 MLE, whatever it is. It's the tax. Yeah, the, the, tax, tax, MLE. the tax MLE. So, um, so I, I suspect that because, you know, the rumored, like, let's say, for example, Rondo gets 10 million from the Hawks, which is hilarious, but let's just say he gets, and actually I've heard it could be more, um, but uh, let's say he gets something like that from the Hawks. The reason we don't want to go up to that level is obviously because we think we're going to be hard capped. And the reason we think we're going to be hard capped is because I assume we know we're going to use the full MLE on somebody, the 9.3 non-taxpayer MLE. So... You know, I, I suspect based on, you know, all the circumstantial evidence that we're going to go after a big fish, the big name that's been linked to us, and I haven't heard anything to the contrary yet, is Abaca. I know for a long time people were saying Gallinari, maybe Gallinari apparently lied in Italy um, when he gave that Italian interview that was translated. Shockingly, he cares more about money at this stage. I mean, I always thought those were kind of silly rumors because this dude is like yeah. way too young to be taking like $10 million pay cuts to win a championship. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, it's not going to be Gallo. And I think Abaca makes a lot, a lot, a lot of sense. I think Toronto is going to give Fred Van Vliet a huge extension. Uh, there's rumors that they might make a Gallinari offer. I, I think we saw. Um, so, you know, they're, they're going to be active in, in other ways. And I think, you know, Abaka maybe sees his, he's on the way out. He's released these weird, like cryptic YouTube videos where he's like, it's been a great journey or, you know, all this weird stuff. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I think we are going to target him. And the reason I think that is because it became very clear how great it was for Anthony Davis over a course of a season to play next to another center um, mm -hmm. who could kind of take the hits and do all that, right? And the benefit of Ibaka compared to Dwight and JaVale is he takes a lot of offensive pressure off of the rest of the team because he can space the floor. Um, yeah. And he can still shot block and do all the things that a normal... I mean, I think he's just as good of a shot blocker as JaVale is even at this stage, right? So... Uh, I think we try to make a big splash like that. And then I think we make other moves, smaller moves to get, you know, kind of guys to maybe fill in the gaps like we were talking about earlier. Now, now we argue we have a gap with wing defense because Danny's gone. So maybe we add like a wing defender, um, but all minimum type guys. And frankly, I think one thing that's going to be interesting, right, is if you asked me this exact question a month ago, I would have like bet money that there would just be a line a mile long of ring chasers that were like ready to sign like right away day one at midnight for the minimum. I don't feel as confident about that actually anymore. I think mm -hmm. I'm not saying like we have a bad situation. Obviously everybody knows this was a great team to be on last year and they were like the envy of the league, right? Our bench, but there are so many super teams forming now. I mean, Brooklyn, if they're able to pull off a James Harden trade somehow, I mean, it doesn't necessarily seem like that's going to happen, but if it does, 
that's going to be like a very enticing option for people. The Clippers are still going to be an enticing option for people, believe it or not. Um, you know, the Bucks are going to be an enticing option. I know their Bogdan thing kind of fell apart. Um, but, you know, there are going to be some other enticing options around the league. And I don't necessarily know that it's going to be so easy for us to, you know, just pick up a bunch of minimum uh, minimum guys. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I think now that you pointed out that it seems like we are hesitant to pay certain guys money and pro- there's probably smoke to that fire, right? Is that the saying? Yeah. Yes, the, the, that's probably smoke to the fire and the fire being that maybe the Lakers are cognizant of the fact that they may be hard capped and they need to have enough room to make veteran minimum signings or even just leave some flexibility in between during the rest of the season if they want to get a buyout guy you know, come mid-season. And, you know, I think Ibaka is still in play, although you mentioned it, you're not sure whether ring chasers are so keen to go to the Lakers as their number one choice because a lot of options are opening up across the league, it seems like. We're hearing of Ibaka Brooklyn rumors. So it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen on the Ibaka front. Even if Ibaka is, if Ibaka doesn't take our 9.3 MLE, there are still guys like, Aaron Baines, you've mentioned Tristan Thompson. Um, there is also the option of, you know, the Lakers do want to retain Markeith Morris, who I think is an important piece to this team. And maybe the Lakers do split up that 9.3 MLE um, amongst two players. So maybe we keep Markeith Morris, and then with the rest of that money, maybe we go after a Justin Holiday, right, to fill that, K- uh, not KCP, but that Danny Green vacancy for that 3 and D sort of shooting guard slash wing player, and Justin Holiday would easily slot into that role as insurance to KCP. But I mentioned this to you on Facebook, but I don't know what the, what the Clippers' plans are for Marcus Morris. I'm assuming they won't let him go because they have very few avenues with which to improve. I'm guessing they have some sort of non-bird rights or whatever to keep him. But Again, you know, we, we, we thought of that plan to get the, the Morai together. And if the Lakers can somehow, if they're going to hard cap themselves anyways, if they can make enough room to give Markeith Morris, you know, the biannual exception of $3.5 million, then maybe they can give the nine, $9 million to Marcus Morris. And that sort of helps with regards to an additional wing defender who can also shoot the lights out from three. I'm hesitant to go all gung-ho on uh, Mo Harkless just because he can't shoot threes, even though he has the potential to, and he's had some seasons where he shot it decently well on low volume. It's just just very dicey at that point because you traded Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder in the shooting department in terms of gravity. Uh, Presumably, you'd want a wing defender more in the lines of Marcus Morris, in my opinion. So I think on my end, I would probably shift my sights toward Marcus Morris, although if they know that he's probably going to return to the Clippers, then maybe there's no point. Then I would love to have Sergi Baca, obviously. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of preparing myself for more of a boring sort of free agency with the Dennis Schroeder deal being like the biggest splash that Palinka makes just because... Even though signs are pointing to them maybe not wanting to hard cap themselves, maybe they also just know how much they're giving KCP. And I know if you're... Does that make sense? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're giving KCP $15 million and that's why they don't want to give Rajon Rondo 7 or whatever. Maybe it has nothing to do with hard capping themselves and they just really had a walking away point for Rondo where whether or not you hard cap yourselves, I think it's just egregious to pay a guy like Rondo $7 million, don't you? 
I don't know. I, I guess my my thinking is they would do it, especially because it's going to be a short term deal. I mean, we're talking like one two years. You know what I mean? Like it, it would just align with LeBron and AD, and those guys like them. So if you're Genie Bus and the ownership, like if you're going to pay a little bit of tax for seven million Rondo, I mean, didn't we pay this dude like nine million last year? How much do we? You know, I know that we was did. probably an overpay <laughs> for Magic. Year, yeah. I know that was probably an overpay, but I, you know. I don't know for a veteran who can coach and be playoff Rondo potentially. I, I don't know that seven million is that's true. You know, I would have gone up to five reasonably, and seven is you know at that point again. I think you're splitting hairs because you're already paying tax on all this money anyway. So I assume that they know they're going to hard cap themselves by using the non-tax nine point three million dollar MLE, and because of that, each million dollars actually does make a difference, right? It's like it, the difference between paying Rondo five and seven million really does make a difference if you're hard capped. The difference between paying seven and 10 really does make a difference if you're hard capped. And so that's why I think they mm-hmm. decided to just make the Schroeder move, you know, kind of rejigger their roster. And I, I don't know, dude, I think we're going to have massive shakeups actually. I mean, obviously, you know, AD is going to be there, you know, LeBron's going to be there, you know, probably, I can't even say confidently because Caruso is <laughs> going to probably be there. Um, okay. You know, I think we're going to bring back KCP unless he gets a crazy overpay. Um, but I think a lot of these guys are going to be back, uh, but I do think there's going to be a decent amount of shaking up. And I think because of the age of the roster last year and the quick turnaround to next year, we kind of need it, right? Like the playoffs um, almost worked to our exact advantage this past year because we got a full, like, like full, like true, like non-playoff team offseason break from March until it kicked off again. And then we essentially went from that straight into the playoffs. And that plays right into the hands of a veteran team. The quick turnaround of two months back into another 72-game season does not play into the hands of a veteran team. But, you know, we've slowly kind of rejiggered our roster in a way to where, like, most of our top six, seven guys outside of LeBron are going to be mid-20s, which is actually pretty crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think there's going to be a lot of movement. I I don't think it, in my opinion, um, it's not exactly the fact that I, I don't think they were looking at it as like, oh, this is objectively an unreasonable price to pay Rondo. I think it was I, – I really do think they have a plan for the full MLE and they know okay. they're going to be hard capped. And so they know they're working within a range as opposed to being able to go up to – I don't know. There was, I was looking at salary – like today, some tables and some teams paid like 148 last year, you know, so – I, you know, instead of having the ability to go to that, I think they know they're going to be hard capped at 138 or whatever the apron is, right? Okay. And, and, you know, it is a big deal to hard cap yourself because again, even if you are able to make a comfortable enough space, even after making your signings or whatever, it's so crucial because you saw what we did last year, getting Markeith Morris for free off the buyout market. This year we could get the same sort of scenario. Maybe we get a Trevor Ariza at the deadline, but because we've hard capped ourselves and we only have like $1.6 million below the freaking, you know, tax apron, we don't have enough to give Trevor Reza. I don't know at that point how they prorate stuff and how much they need to give Trevor Reza at that right, point right, with point. only a few months left. But you know what I'm saying? Like, what if we don't have enough money to get a valuable buyout market guy like that? So if it is the case that they are going to hard cap themselves, it is a big deal. So they probably are doing that for a reason and for someone who's worth it to constrain yourself in such a way. So I'm going to ask you in, in 
one second to give me your tangible predictions of just like what they're going to do with that. I am going to give mine in terms of, okay, I think minimum guys that they're going to sign. Wesley Matthews is obviously an option. I think given our wing dearth, it would be kind of funny, but I think we're, we might get Jay Crowder. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow. I know he sucked. I know he sucked in the finals, but he is just as, as a backup insurance guy. And as a guy who could theoretically stretch the floor, he did have a series where he shot pretty well, not in the finals, obviously, but, and a guy who's just tough, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I don't think we'd, I think he'd be a, a decent option as an end of the guy bench to just be wing insurance in that sense. I know we've tossed around guys like Derek Jones Jr. would be fun, but at this point we need shooting. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'll go with, they're going to try, okay, this is way out of left field. I've been kind of teasing it at this point. I'm gonna say that we get Marcus Morris and we oh, wow. <laughs> Markeith Morris. I mean, that would be Marcus great. Morris and Markeith Morris are together on this team, and that's our main plan of attack. Whether or not Dwight Howard joins the party, I don't know. It seems like he's willing to, as long as it's a guaranteed contract, which is great. He's gonna get a small raise from last year. Um, okay, but before I ask you for your prediction. My question before that is, do you want Avery Bradley back? Or are you hoping he opts out of his contract? I would love Avery Bradley back. I think even with Schroeder, Avery Bradley still has a role in the team. Um, Caruso, the nice thing about him is he's got some size. So although he is our best overall perimeter defender, he we can also just play him at the two. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it creates an interesting dynamic because we can play him at the two, but have him... I know he's not a shooter and, you know, he's got a lot of improvement that he needs to get done there, but we can play him at the two, but then also um, have him defend opposing point guards. So if we have play him with Schroeder or, you know, I guess our Avery Bradley and KCP are no slouches defensively, but Caruso can cover a lot of that stuff and he's pretty versatile. We can also play some three guard lineups. Um, so I would love uh, to have Avery Bradley back. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you for the most part, um, especially in Danny Green's stead. And just as insurance, too, because, uh, what, KCP and Avery Bradley kind of spot hit for each other whenever the one was injured or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to have Avery Bradley back. And if he also opts out and chooses to renegotiate his contract at a lower rate with the Lakers, that would also help us out uh, in order to get that 9.3 MLE. But with that said, Tommy, what are your predictions for... I guess you maybe already showed your hand, but what are your predictions for the Lakers MLE and any veteran minimum signing guys that you want them to also pick up along the way? I think we go MLE. I think we go Ibaka. <gasps> Crazy. I think, I think for, I think JaVale is going to opt out. I really do. I, and I'm not sure why I'm not sure about the dynamics <laughs> there because I don't think he can get a better deal than this. I mean, maybe he thinks he can get more years or something, but, um, well, I think I told you at his rate at a, at a veteran rate, he'd be making 2.6 in one year because that's the veteran minimum right. for him. So even if he gets a two year deal, for a team that you, I mean, you see that every team's response to Anthony Davis and what the Lakers have done size-wise, I'm sure he can be an end of the big bench or like even just a main bench guy for a team. I mean, yeah, a lot, um, a lot so, of teams don't even have like two seven-footers, right? So Right, and we've talked about how he probably knows that if he opts in, the Lakers are just going to dump his salary or something. So maybe he wants to choose his own destiny. And even if he signs for a veteran minimum, as long as it's a two-year deal, that's still what? million, which is still a million more than the 4.2 he would get this year. So I guess, you know, initially I was like, there is no freaking way JaVale McGee opts out of this. But 
looking at it more closely, I actually see a scenario where, yeah, I guess that makes sense, but continue. So I, I think JaVale opts out, and the only reason I bring that up is because I think we might, and I know there's been a lot of noise about this, so I'm a little bit skeptical because I think when there's this degree of noise, it's like too much, but I think, you know, people right. have been talking about Tristan Thompson for the minimum, and he's like, you know, obviously we can go over the, I think we've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but you know, he's got the Kardashian connection, he's got like family, I mean, literally he has kids in LA, um, he has a, I mean, I was clicking around reading some, I was like watching some YouTube videos, right. About his highlights from last year. And this dude's got like a $15 million house in LA. I mean, he's like fully set up to live in LA already. So, and LeBron's <laughs> here, who's his boy and he's got the clutch connection. Right. So I, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility. I also just think he's a little bit young to be taking a minimum, deal when there are, and I don't know what the market for him is, but there are some teams out there that have cap space and may be willing to pay him. So I think the second big is going to be either Tristan Thompson or Dwight. I don't think both, mm. but I think one or the other. Um, I would, I think Wes Matthews is going to be a prime target. You mentioned him. And I actually think Trevor Ariza could now become an option. I mean, he was traded to Houston, and for the longest time, people were trying to see, like, okay, and I, we still are trying to see, like, what the heck is Houston doing, right? But then he was rerouted to Detroit in another trade today. Uh, it was Detroit, right? I think I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trevor Reza's salary next year is $12.8 I believe his buyout date is coming up. I don't know when it is. This would be a good question for Eric Pincus. <laughs> Eric Pincus might not know either because all the dates got messed up because of the salary uh, Excuse me, <laughs> yeah. the season changed. But I, I think he's going to be bought out by like Friday potentially because if they buy – he's 12.8 guaranteed at some point. I don't know what the date is. But if they buy him out before X date – um, it'll be only 1.8 on their salary, which mm -hmm. it's not like Detroit has anybody else really, but like it's a significant savings, um, for them. So I, I, I could see, I think Trevor Reza a few years ago when he was being traded, he ultimately ended up being traded to the wizards. There was a lot of rumors that year that he was going to be traded to the Lakers. And I think, you know, there were a lot of suggestions that he was maybe even trying to force his way to the Lakers. And it just didn't work out. I, the Wizards overpay. If you recall, the Wizards traded Kelly Oubre for him. <laughs> you know, so it was like it ended up being an overpay, and Phoenix kind of had to do it. Um, same thing. Then he became a free agent, and I think he, like he was interested in the Lakers. I think there were reports about him being interested in the Lakers that mutual interest. But then the Kings offered him like this absurd like thirteen million dollar deal or whatever the you know that he's on. So he had to yeah. he had to agree to that. He couldn't say no. But now, after all of this, if he gets bought out again, I, I think that, you know, they'll find the stars will align. I don't know how much Trevor Reza has to give. Um, he doesn't need to be a significant piece on this roster, but just another yeah. body as a, like a veteran, long-armed, you know, wing defender who we can throw out there if we need to in a pinch. Um, you could do a lot worse. So I think we might make a play for him. And then I hope Markeith, I just think Markeith is going to get more than uh, a minimum offer somewhere else. And at that point, that's all we're really going to have to give him. But those would be like the main guys I'm looking out for. I know it was like a lot, but I'm, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. That's fair. Ibaka, Ariza, Wes Matthews, essentially. Essentially. Yeah. And then like one of Tristan or Dwight. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for me, I mentioned it, you know, Marcus, Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, maybe Dwight oh, at the minimum. Great, yeah, yeah. Uh, DMC, maybe we'll just keep him on, um, on that minimum contract as he continues to rehab again. Rodney Hood is out there. I don't know what he has left to give, especially because he had that Achilles injury. I'm assuming he can still shoot, but defensively, can he hang still? Right. Um, that's a question mark. Kyle Korver is out there as a as a shooting option for the oh, Lakers. Yeah, it'll it, it'll just be interesting to see which way they go here. They have limited amount of roster spots, and again, it hinges on what McGee does, what Avery Bradley does, what Rondo does. We'll find out soon enough. Um, the obviously the are you okay with the very very boring version of this where the Lakers choose not to hard cap themselves? They give Markeith Morris the tax MLE of 5.7, which seems like a bit of an overpay for him, to be honest with you. Um, but let's say they give him that. Dwight Howard resigns, and they get Wes Matthews as a vet minimum. Maybe they get, I don't know, like Cor- another guy Cor- as a vet minimum. Yeah. Like, yeah, Corver or something. Are you okay with a scenario like that? Yeah, I'm definitely okay with that. Okay. I, I'm, you know, I'm obviously getting a little greedy because I've seen some of these other teams like starting to load up a little. <laughs> and, and, you know, you kind of want to make sure you're ready and loaded up as well. But... We just won the championship. These guys are champions. They're very good players. I mean, Avery Bradley is one of the best point guards of the of this year's free agent class. Um, True. Uh, which just says something maybe about this year's free agent class, but he's a good player. Um, Markeith Morris is very, very solid. I mean, we I, I, may, I maybe agree with you that maybe 5.7 for one year is a slight overpay, but... He was due, I think, $6 million this year, right? He had some absurd contract that like doubled something in year like two. Something like that, yeah. Um, and yeah, if we roll it back with the rest of the guys and then add Schroeder, I, you could do a lot worse than that. Dwight, I think just needs to start in this scenario. And then we just need to play Marquise yes, as yes. our, as our uh, small ball five off the bench and kind of like phase out JaVale. But I, I think, uh, I think other than that, you know, you you could do a lot worse and, and the team will be fine in, in that scenario as well. Yeah. But either way, buckle up. We are not sure where this is all headed. So far, if the the first like three or four days are any indication, literally anything could happen. And it's just nice to, again, have a, a GM in Palenka who's willing to be aggressive and not sit on his hands and twiddle his thumbs. So Dennis Schroeder, everybody, the Schroeder Time Lakers, um, Schroeder to Perdition, whatever other puns you want to use with <laughs> Schroeder. Um, free agency is here. Uh, I guess we'll talk about it when we talk about it and when signings happen. I think Friday, 6 p.m., they changed the time. It's no longer at midnight the night before. So Friday, November 20th at 6 p.m. I'm not sure if that's 6 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Um, I guess we'll find out too. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on iTunes. Up until this point, the Lakers haven't signed any undrafted free agent guys as uh, second round picks. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that's going to change because we're going to need bodies for training camp, which starts in uh, two and a half weeks or so. so. <laughs> that's so crazy, dude. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, all right, I'll catch you later, Tommy. Later. See ya. Say goodbye. 
your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.